Good afternoon. Welcome to the Long Live Third Parties podcast. Free Press, Media Press, Inc., a third party's books publisher, sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bichard. Greetings, Blake. Hey, good morning around. Depending. It is afternoon. Welcome to Long Live Third Parties podcast. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me? You bet. Yes. Excellent. Long Friend. Today, friends, today we have Blake Huber from the Approval Voting Party. He's going to talk to you about some good things. So if we can get started by you giving us an introduction to who you are and your background. Sure, sure, you bet. So I'm a lifelong libertarian. I used to argue libertarian principles when I was in high school. and My government teachers said I was nuts. Well, years later, I bought a brand new car in 1976. And I'm taking it for a test drive. <clears throat> and my wife, I was married at the time, my wife said, uh, this guy on the radio sounds like you. The second presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. Then I knew I wasn't crazy. I was just a libertarian. Some people say that's crazy, but not necessarily. So from there, I became the state chair of the Libertarian Party of Kansas. I ran for and was accepted on the Libertarian National Committee. Uh, prior to that, I ran as a Libertarian for state representative uh, a couple of times. One time I wasn't able to make on the, make, <clears throat> I wasn't able to get on the ballot because of lack of signatures to be placed on the ballot. And since then, I got disenchanted with the concept that we're part of the 1% club. We generally don't get what polls will say our true uh, level of support is. Most polls say between 15 and 30% of the people in the US support libertarian concepts, but they don't vote for libertarians. So I've been searching for why that is. And I met this gentleman named Frank Atwood about a decade ago. And he said, Blake, it's the way we vote. We have a two-party system because of this French mathematician named Duverger, who said that if you have a single vote, you'll always have two dominant parties. And if you think about it, that's so true. If I have to decide between the lesser two evils, or I have to decide on the person that I really like the best, uh, but I know he's not gonna win, why even vote at all? So Frank introduced me to the concept of approval voting. He suggested I read the book Gaming the Vote by William Poundstone. And so I went home that night. I was at a libertarian convention. I met Frank and I went home that night. I downloaded the book on my Kindle. And then three days later, I'd finished the book and I called Frank up and I said, I've drank the Kool-Aid. How can I help? So ever since then, we've been doing approval voting polls, uh, Western Conservative Summit, Freedom Fest, many Libertarian and Green Party conventions. And we find that there is a lot of support. Now, right now, <clears throat> other alternative methods are gaining traction, ranked choice voting, for example. So some folks feel like that's the end all be all. Well, I like ranked choice voting, but I don't like it as well as approval voting because approval voting is so simple. I'm gonna stop and see if you have any questions. Yes, 
so you and Frank founded the approval voting party, you said 10 years ago, right? No, actually, we did that just about four years ago in 2016. Actually, 2015 is when we formed it. Um, under Colorado laws, I live in Colorado. So under Colorado laws, you have to be a qualified political organization or raise an ungodly number of signatures. So we actually got on the ballot. We paid $1,000 to be on the ballot. Frank is president, me as vice president. And we ran and formed the party just to have ballot access and to be gain exposure for approval voting for the concept. Two years later, we had our first approval voting party convention. And they, we were, let me rephrase that. So two years later, I ran for Secretary of State of Colorado. In doing that, I had to get, I think it was a thousand signatures. We got about 1800 so we could qualify for the ballot. And because we had an approval voting party, I know this is complicated, so bear with me. Because we had an approval voting party candidate qualified for the ballot under the qualified politicalization rules, we were then deemed a full-fledged party recognized under minor party rules for the um, state of Colorado. <clears throat> Ran for secretary of state. Uh, I didn't get that many votes, but I got almost 14,000 votes, which tells me there's a lot of interest. Didn't do a lot of campaigning, did a little advertising, but not a lot of campaigning. Spent less than 500 to $1,000. And we got... Um, we got some interest. We got some people who joined the party because uh, they were interested in the concept. We are now the fastest growing party in Colorado. Uh, we've outpaced the Unity Party. We're next to the Unity Party in terms of number of members, which I think is great. So we have now run again in 2020 uh, this time I ran for president and Frank ran for vice president. And we were fortunate enough to be on the ballot in two states, Colorado and Vermont. We didn't gain that many more uh, ballots. I'm, I'm sorry. We didn't get, gain that many more votes, but we did gain a lot of attention. Now, in two years, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we're still a party. We're having meetings as a party. Uh, there is a group of people that want to finance uh, the effort to get an initiative on the ballot, either in Denver or another municipality in Colorado, and we're going through that process. That may not happen for another year or so, but in the next election cycle, we'll see what happens. Getting back to when I, I left the Libertarian Party to, to be part of the approval voting party effort is because of this 1% concept. Even Gary Johnson got single digits. And that just blew my mind because Gary, Gary Johnson's an excellent candidate. So, but knowing what I knew about Duverger's law, and by the way, it's spelled Duverger, D-U-V-E-R-G-E-R, -E -E pronounced Duverger. Google it and you'll find all the information you need about why, um, I don't like to call them third parties, I like to call them alternate parties, but why alternate parties don't have a ghost of a chance with our current voting method. So because I didn't want to be part of the 1% club, I joined the approval voting party. I've done all I can with the approval voting party. We're gaining traction. But again, there's other alternative methods that people are 
enamored with. There's a new one that just came up called Star Voting. And Star Voting has a lot of things to go for it. But you know, I'm a simple guy. I'm old. I'm retired. I'm very simple. I like to keep things simple. Approval voting is so simple. If you don't know what it is, or your listeners don't know what it is, it's just the easiest thing in the world. We used to do this all our lives. Okay, raise your hand for option A. Raise your hand for option B. Raise your hand for option C. And by the way, you can raise your hand for all three if you want to. And whichever option had the most hands raised, that's the option that was elected, prevailed, whatever you want to call it. I don't like to use the word win because candidates don't win. They get elected. We win if candidates who represent us get elected. And approval voting lets us vote for people who actually represent who we are. They represent the, the full breadth of our issues. And on an approval voting ballot, if I were to vote on one, I would be voting for all the candidates that represent me on the issues that are important to me. Now, maybe I'm pro-choice, maybe I'm pro-life, maybe I'm pro-gun, maybe I'm pro-gun control. It doesn't matter because you get to vote for all the candidates that you feel represent you. So in our current system, you have a ballot. You, the instructions say, mark your ballot for only one candidate per office. So you look at all the candidates, you have to go through this mind-bending thing where you're trying to decide who best represents me. Oh, but do they have a chance of winning? But who's else going to people vote for? Oh, but do I show my loyalty to my party by voting for this particular candidate? All of those things are factored in your single vote. Well, the, all that goes out the window. You vote for the people you like. You mark your ballot for all the ones you like. The instructions are mark your ballot for all the candidates you approve. Everybody else does the same. And the candidate, the single candidate for a single seat election, the single candidate is the one that's marked in the most ballots. Now, friends have told me two things. One, they've told me that that means that person has the broadest popular support. And another person told me, oh, I get it. So I can vote for the person who has the best ethics and vote for the person they want me to vote for, whoever they are. So I can support my party. Let's say it's a Libertarian Party or the Green Party. And I can vote for the person who's most Green-like or most Libertarian-like as well. And whoever gets the most votes, is marked on the most ballots, that's the candidate that gets elected. And then we win. Does that make sense? It does. I'm wondering... Given the outside chance, the outside possibility that there would be a tie, how do you work with that? Oh, well, outside chance. So how do we work with ties now? You have a single vote. You may have a tie. You flip a coin. You have a runoff. Whatever we do now is what we do in approval voting. Okay. So ties are less likely to happen when you can approve candidates because there's going to be nuances. The biggest thing for me that approval voting does, it does away with the criteria of electability. The New York Times was trying to endorse a candidate in the, I think it was the 2020 election. Yes, it was. And they chose two women because they couldn't just pick one. Okay. 
So they went through rounds of balloting and rounds of balloting and discussion between the rounds. And they finally endorsed two women. Were either of those women on the ballot in November? No. That's because our antiquated single vote system uh, said they're not electable. So give me a chance. Let me vote for the Jew or or the, the person of Jewish persuasion, I should say, or the uh, black person or the American Indian or the woman. I don't care who they are, what they look like. I want to vote for what they think and what they're going to do. I could be wrong. Well, I'd be wrong on who, what candidate it is. But one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to consider somebody based on their electability or their ability to raise money or the ability to spend money. I want to vote for the person who resonates with me. So I trust you used approval voting at your convention. What was the process <laughs> like? Uh, so we always use approval voting at our conventions. Now, right now, we're a, just a, a nascent party, so we don't have that many people vying for seats, uh, but we do use approval voting. Uh, I think we may have had one contest in 2018 for a, for a state officer seat, but I don't recall. But right now, we could hold, um, in fact, we did hold uh, our meeting, our convention, so to speak, in the conference room of a library. There may be a dozen people there. So we're very, but one of the biggest successes, if you want to call it that, recently was at the Western Conservative Summit. And we go to everybody. We don't care who they are. We go to everybody. We want to show them how approval voting works. At the Western Conservative Summit, we we showed people how if they voted for one, marked a ballot for one candidate, and we had Trump, DeSantis, and many other candidates, who would they select? And it was DeSantis, the governor of Florida, by large. And Trump got like 15% of the vote when you could only vote for one. Now, if you could mark your ballot for multiple candidates, DeSantis got like, I think it was 70% approval and Trump got in the 60s. So that speaks a lot to what people are thinking. Trump may not be electable and they're, they're realizing that. And so they want to go with DeSantis because Trump may not be electable in their eyes, in conservatives' eyes. But they want to support him because they like him. Now think of that with Gore and um, and uh, the Bush Gore and Nader back in 2000. The one that ended up in the Supreme Court, for God's sake. That's that really inflamed me. But anyway, the people who voted for Nader could not vote for Gore because if they voted for Gore, they're negating how they feel about things. Well, why not let them vote for both Gore and Nader? And we may not have had Bush. If we go back further in my life, we go back to the election where Bush, Clinton, and um, Perot were running. A lot of people really strongly believed in Perot and thought he was great. Perot got death threats because he was stealing votes away from Bush. And who knows how that election would have turned out if we'd had approval voting, if people could vote for Bush and Perot or for Clinton and Perot. Who knows what would have happened? But I'll tell you what I feel would happen in a lot of elections in the future. 
we'd see better candidates. When I can be in an election and not worry about being so dejected that I only got 1%, good Lord, I should at least get double digits. With approval voting, I'm probably going to get my true level of support. Mathematically, I will get my true level of support because people who support me will vote for me. They'll mark their ballot for me. If enough people mark their ballot for me, I would be elected. But that doesn't matter. If I'm a Gary Johnson or um, an Ed Clark or Ron Paul, and I got 30% of the vote, which is, I got 30% approval, I should say. 30% of the ballots were marked for me. That tells me I'm not a loser. People agree with me. Maybe I need to work harder. Uh, several years ago, we did a poll, who should, be, um, who should be the vice president? This was in 2016. Who should be on the stage for the vice presidential debates? And I think Cruz and um, Dr. Um, why can't I think of his name now? Brain surgeon. Ben Carson? <laughs> ben Carson? Uh, no. It'll ben come Carson? to me later. Um, I can't think of it. Okay, good. But anyway, uh, but anyway um, that doesn't matter. Uh, they were neck and neck, both on plurality, vote for one, and on approval, vote for as many as you like. Uh, the doctor won when uh, on both of them when the poll was closed out of like 200 people voting. Uh, but they were neck and neck in the plurality side. And poor Bobby Jindal. Bobby Jindal is the governor of uh, Louisiana. And it doesn't matter whether you're a fan or not. Bobby Jindal got zero votes on plurality. And he was marked on 50% of the ballots when you could vote for more than one. So somebody like Bobby Jindal could say, and by the way, he's black. He's of Indian descent. Um, so he's non-white. He's not a white, old white man, old like me. I'm an old white man. Okay. So he was a person of color. He was a diverse candidate. He was marked on 50% of the ballots. And think about this. If I were Bobby Jindal or a supporter of Bobby Jindal, I would think, well, we're halfway there. <laughs> and the person who was uh, approved on that ballot, uh, Ben Johnson. Yeah, that's who it was, Dr. Ben Johnson. He got like 67%, and um, Ted Cruz, I think, got 63% approval. So 50% to 63%, that's 13% difference. So I think you'll see an approval. I think you'll see better candidates. You'll be able to express yourself better. We may see a, a, a ballot of candidates that, that more represents who we are as a nation. So we'll see what I like to say is the non-old white fat guy, okay? So right now that's who we are, uh, we're allowed to elect is the old white fat guy. And think about the last several presidents. I don't think you can think of any that, well, maybe, maybe um, not Clinton, uh, uh, what was his name? I'm losing my mind. I'm old. What can I say? Carter. Carter was not an old, old fat guy, but he was an old white guy. So, <laughs> so anyway, I like approval voting. I think it's great. I think it'll work. Uh, it'll help alternative parties gain traction 
and for people to feel as though I can support an alternative party without endangering my vote, without wasting my vote, without having to choose the lesser of two evils. I'm sure you have a lot of questions. I've talked a lot, so please, what questions do you have? Yes, comparing it to our ranked choice voting, the ranked choice voting research center says ranked choice voting causes there to be less of an adversarial and more of a coalition building atmosphere. Is that the same with approval voting? I'm glad you asked that. So approval voting and ranked choice voting do tend to reduce the amount of negative campaigning. But consider this with approval voting. What's the incentive to campaign against somebody? I was at a Libertarian Party convention several years ago, and I was talking to a candidate, one of the candidates for president, and I asked him what he thought about approval voting. He says, Blake, I like this. So I can tell somebody who's a prospective voter, I can tell them, you know, if you want to vote for him or her, go ahead and vote for him or her. I really don't know anything about them. But here's my resume. As you look at me and you can see that I resonate with what you believe in, you can add me to your approval list without endangering your vote for anybody else. Now, that's powerful. That's positive campaign. Also, one of the, the best features I can think about approval voting is you, if you have one candidate in your mind, there's only one candidate for you, best thing since sliced bread. You can go out and convince everybody else you know to add your candidate to their approval list. And if you get enough people approving your candidate, that candidate will not only gain better traction and have a broader popular, broad, broad, broad level of support, their true level of support, they may actually get elected. Interesting. That sounds good. So since this is an election reform, what backlash have you faced and how have you approached that? Well, there's a lot of misinformation out there concerning approval voting. Some folks like to say it's just going to degrade, and I emphasize that word, to bullet voting, which is what we do now. We bullet vote. We only vote for one. But what they don't say is they don't say, if you want to bullet vote, you're welcome to bullet vote. Nobody's forcing you to vote for more than one. Nobody's forcing you to mark your ballot in any way, shape, or form. If you choose to vote for more than one, if you choose to mark your ballot, I, I keep saying vote, but it's really marking your ballot. If you choose to mark your ballot for more than one, you enhance the chances of other candidates being elected. Let's say you really like Joe and you think Joe's got a really good chance of winning. But you really like Betty too, but you don't think Betty's electable. We get back to that electability quotient again. So if you don't vote for Betty, not helping her get elected. Now, maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you don't want Betty to get elected. You only want Joe to get elected. That's your choice. That's a bullet vote. But what if you equally like Betty and you really think she really deserves to be elected. You actually favor her about the same as Joe or maybe a little bit more. Why not vote for both? It doesn't matter. You're not going to you're not going to hurt Joe's chances of getting elected unless Betty beats him. But you're OK with that because you voted for Betty, too. If you don't vote for Betty, 
Betty may need that last vote to beat all the other candidates. And maybe Joe places third when the polls come out. Betty's second. Pete's first. You didn't even think Pete. You hate Pete. I don't want to ever vote for Pete. Why did Pete even get it on the ballot? We should have ballot access laws that forbid Pete for getting on the ballot. I'm joking, of course. Pete beats Joe. Betty was second. And if you voted for Betty and Joe, Pete may have lost. Now, I think that's a powerful argument for approval voting over all the other methods, except for possibly star. And I'm not an expert on star voting. As I said before, I like to keep things simple. Star has some complexity complexities to it. I invite you to Google star voting, your listeners, and have them look at that. Uh, I'm very good friends with um, Sarah Wilk, who initiated star voting and has had a petition to get it on the ballot in Oregon. And I invite everybody to uh, take a look at star voting and see if they like it. For me, it's a little bit more complicated than approval, so I don't see the reason for it. Approval voting can be adopted on every single voting machine in the country tomorrow. The only cost in adopting approval voting is education cost. And that's to get people to get beyond the concept of, oh, oh, I can vote for more than one? Oh, that's sacrilegious. What do I do? Tell me what to do. Well, the candidates are going to tell you to vote for them. And the wise candidates are going to say, Vote for me, too. I represent you. The other person's got more money than me, but I represent you. You want to vote for money or do you want to vote for ideals? Vote for me, too. Vote for the money, too. I don't care. That makes sense? It does. Indeed, indeed. So I also have a question about implementation and again, I'm going to compare this to ranked choice voting. The ranked choice voting resource center and their podcast RTV clips mentions that with ranked choice voting, as opposed to some other election reforms, you don't have to change constitutions usually. So you can do it on a jurisdiction by jurisdiction level through initiatives and such. Is that how you plan to implement approval voting? Oh, that's an excellent question. Yes. Voting is always local state by state, but in most states you have home rule cities. So our concentration right now is on nonpartisan municipal elections. And in most states, in most cities, I should say, they have a charter. That's their constitution. So in some cities you have to get a charter amendment. But in most places, you simply have to get it approved, either by the city council or by the voters. And then it's implemented. What we're working on right now is a few cities in Colorado to see if we can get on the ballot, to see if we can get enough attention from the voters to decide they want to try this new method of voting to elect their city council. And I think we've got a pretty good chance next year of doing some of that. Uh, we had a chance this year in some cities in Colorado, but it's like five times the number of signature requirements to get on this year's November ballot, where if it's on a normal city ballot, it's much less. It's like 5,000 signatures compared to 30,000 signatures. So there's a considerable difference in number of volunteers and number of uh, dollars you have to spend to get signatures to get an initiative on the ballot. Uh, we're working with some of the city councils 
Uh, we um, had a really good presentation to the Denver City Council. They haven't made a decision yet. Uh, they haven't. They haven't really. Um, there's a number of things that they want to consider. One of the requirements under the city charter is that the candidate who is elected has to receive 51% of the vote. So with approval voting, that's pretty simple to do because you get 51% approval. Anybody doesn't get more than 50% approval on an approval ballot should not be elected. It's as simple as that. But we can't guarantee that. And their charter would then have to be changed to allow other methods um, or have a runoff to get that 51%. So we'll see what happens. It has been adopted in Fargo, North Dakota by the city council. It has been adopted in St. Louis by the city council. And we're looking, uh, other activists are looking in Salt Lake, in Austin, other towns in Texas, also in California, and a few other states. If you just go on Facebook and just search for approval voting, you'll find Facebook pages for several approval voting groups. So I, I have some questions off of the first. How is it going for them in Fargo and St. Louis since they've adopted it? <laughs> it's going great. So St. Louis hasn't had an election yet under their uh, new election law, but Fargo has had their first election. And if you talk to anybody that dealt with that election, the people who counted the votes, the people who voted, it went extremely smoothly and people liked it. Now we've only had one election cycle there. So my feeling that as we go forward, better candidates will run, uh, people will get more used to the concept of being able to have the freedom to vote for more than one candidate to mark their ballot the way they feel they should mark their ballot. They, um, that'll make a big change. It'll make a big change in how elections, how candidates handle elections. Candidates will vote for him or her. They suck. Vote for me because I'm, I'm, I'm the give. I'm the chosen one. They'll say, vote for me because I represent you. Now, there is some concern that people will pander. Candidates will pander to the voters, the middle ground. But that's not true. If you look back at elections, Ronald Reagan never countered to the middle ground. He was ethical. And he won. He was elected. Many people don't like how Trump handled himself in office. But people like his policies. And they voted for him. I don't see either one of those people pandering to the middle ground. I don't even see a green candidate uh, attempting to get the middle ground just to be elected. I see them and I see other, you call them third parties, I'll call them alternative parties. If you're a communist and you want to vote for the commie, vote for the communist. That person represents who you are. That's no problem with that. If the communists gets enough votes to actually get elected, I'm in the wrong country. That's just how I feel. But if you feel very strongly about something, you want to support your candidate. You want to get other people to support your candidate. And they can also support other candidates. I just really feel you can tell how passionate I am about this. I really feel that the animosity we have right now, this versus them attitude 
would disappear with approval voting. What do you think? I think you do have a good option out there. And this is something that I just got familiar with. So I hope it gains steam and it gains people to back it and it has a lot of energy behind it. Sure. So I, I have another question since since I live in Austin and we just passed a ranked choice voting initiative, how would you plan to implement it here, the approval voting, since we just passed the ranked choice voting? Well, it's really hard to have two different voting methods in the same electoral district. Sure. So if you have ranked choice voting, that's fine. Use ranked choice voting. If you have a... Um, I don't want to call suburb of Austin, but if there's someplace near Austin where you can get approval voting adopted, and then you have, this is what I'd love to see in Colorado, for example, because that's where I live. I'd love to see some cities adopt ranked choice voting. We have some cities that use ranked choice voting. We have some cities that use it in the past and don't use it anymore for whatever reason they, they determined. But if we had some cities doing ranked choice voting and some, some cities using approval voting, in the marketplace of voting methods, we would find out which one actually people like best. I'm not going to ever say anything about ranked choice voting, anything bad about ranked choice voting, because it's better than what we currently have. But there are reasons I like approval better. And as you investigate them, you may find those to be true yourself. I recommend to your folks, to people who listen to this podcast, to get the vote, the book, Gaming the Vote by William Poundstone. He's related to Paula Townstone, by the way, but he has an excellent way of describing the wasted vote syndrome, the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the split vote syndrome and who gets elected. He talks about the wizard and the lizard. So the wizard of the Ku Klux Klan was running for governor and the lizard, who was a crooked, I'm not going to say names here, but who was a crooked governor, people had to decide, do I vote for the crook I know or do I vote for the crook I don't know? So when we have a situation like that in our electoral process, we don't need that. Now, one of the things I'd like for, um, if you have a ranked choice voting person on, I'd like them for, for them to answer the question, what's the delta? You have approval voting, you have ranked choice voting, approval voting, ranked choice voting, elect the same candidate. When it gets right down to the, the nitty gritty, which, which candidate gets elected, it's usually the same under both methods. So the benefit of approval voting is you can see what that level of support for all the other candidates was. All the alternative parties get their true level of support because there's no, no concern about who you vote for. With ranked choice voting, you get this elimination process that's a little bit more expensive to adopt it and to implement it and to use it. What do you get that benefits you for that additional cost? Approval voting, again, no additional cost except perhaps the first election cycle or two, there's education. That is good. Excellent. 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 So how I don't know how people would answer that, but and I've posed that to other people, uh, ranked choice voting people. They really haven't come back with a good answer. They usually pivot to bullet voting. And again, bullet voting 
not a bug. Bullet voting means you have the freedom to vote for only one and to campaign for that one person and to let people know they should add that person to their approval list. There's nothing bad about bullet voting. But they want to make, they want to demonize bullet voting. I'm not saying anybody in particular, but opponents of approval voting want to demonize bullet voting and say, this is a bad thing because it's a degradation. We're going back to what we have now. Okay. But that's what, if everybody wants to buy a Ford, everybody buys a Ford. If a few want to buy a Tesla or a Toyota, they can do that. Or maybe they have a Ford and a GM product, a Ford and a Chevy. Many people would say, why would you want to do that? Fords are superior to GM or Chevys are superior to Fords. Why would you ever want to do that? Okay, well, there's those people. But that's what we have now. We have the Fords and the GMs going against each other. And if you vote for Sally, I'm voting for Ben. And if you vote for Sally, Ben Carson was his name, not Johnson. I'm sorry. (laughs) As I get older, my mind just wanders. What can I say? Uh, But anyway, if you want to vote for Sally, I can't speak to you anymore. I'm voting for Ben because Ben's the best person. And Sally is an expletive. So with approval voting, you're not going to say that. Really, you're voting for Sally? Tell me why. I like Ben, but, you know, maybe I could see myself also supporting Sally on the ballot. Whole different situation. I hope I haven't bored you, and I hope I haven't caused confusion, and I'm open to any questions you might have. No, it sounds like a clear concept. It sounds like it's a reform that has the potential to make a dramatic change with a minimal amount of fuss. So it seems like the best of both worlds. It's not drastic in what you have to do, but yet it can make a big change. You know, I totally agree with that. I was at Politicon several years ago, and somebody said, I like your idea, but what are the downsides? What are the, the unintended consequences? And I'm, I'm very conservative in my point of view. I'm libertarian, but I'm very conservative in my point of view in terms of making changes. And I'm very concerned there's unintended consequences that we're not aware of. And so I really want to start small, small cities, an Austin-sized city, for example, uh, and see how it works and see if what I anticipate is true. And if it isn't, then I'm done with approval voting. Simple as that. (laughs) But I really think people, once they get the idea, I ask people to try it themselves. I was at a libertarian conference, um, again, several years ago. Um, I do this all the time, but a lot of the big things that, that I remember are years ago. And this one gal says, I think I get it. I'm the president of our homeowners association. And that's exactly what I do. I make up a list of projects that we want to work on. I have everybody vote, mark a ballot for all the projects they're interested in. The ones we do first are the ones that have the broadest popular support. They they are marked on the most ballots. Because it's easier for me to get volunteers to work on that project. When I was married, I used to use approval voting, not even knowing what it was for us to pick movies we would go to. She would have her list of movies. I would have my list of movies. We found out which movie was on both our lists or which movies were on both our lists 
And from that, we selected the movie to go to that week and maybe a movie to go to the next week. Now, some of the movies on my list were ones that I knew she would enjoy and I was okay with. And some of the movies on her list were the same. But it wasn't, I'll give in to you this time so you can give in to me next time. It was more cohesive. We had brought both, both worlds. Out. I'm sorry. I like to say that approval voting brings people together and splitting them apart. And I don't think any voting method out there, aside from approval voting, perhaps STAR, will do that. Bring people together. It also sounds like, like a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't know, it's fine. Uh, it also sounds like, I like how you're open-minded about this because you say you want to try it out to see if it doesn't work, where some people would be dogmatic and they would say, this works in every circumstance, this is perfect. I believe it, it's true, but it sounds like you're willing to put it out in the real world and see how it goes. Absolutely. So people who do that, like you say dogmatic, are arrogant. And I, I can't remember the quote, but something about arrogance. Um, I can't remember what it is, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so I'm not arrogant. I'm arrogant in many, many things, but not in terms of voting methods, because I don't know. We don't have a track record. Oh, well, except for the 400 years that where the Pope was elected by using approval voting amongst the cardinals, except for the fact that the Secretary General of the United Nations is elected using, in part of the process, using approval voting. The Security Council makes the final choice, but in order to get to the the group of candidates, the five or six candidates they choose from, approval voting shows them who the countries of the world most favor. And then they either select that person or go on to somebody else. But they decide amongst the the uh, several candidates that are presented to them. And approval voting is popular support. So except for the U.S., except for the, the Pope, the Cardinals in Rome, and except for it being used prior to 1900 in many, many places. In ancient Venice, now I don't have any proof of this, I wish I did, uh, but I'll mention it, people who do their own fact check. In ancient Venice, the way they voted for the doge, the ruler, was they would put a white ball or a black ball in each candidate's urn. And the candidate that had the most white balls was the candidate that was elected. Now, it was an oligarchy, so it's the families deciding which family is going to rule. They want to keep the families together, so they did it that way. And my thinking is that's where the concept of blackballing came from. So if your own family called you and other families blackballed you, you were not going to be elected. But the person who got the most white balls was elected. That's approval voting. So we see in history, we see all these reasons that approval voting has worked to bring people together and we're just looking to reinvigorate that and restart it it's not a new voting system and one of my friends i love this guy he says approval voting was the first system so cavemen are sitting around the fire and they're trying to decide on where to hunt or what to do and they raise their hands when each option comes up and the one that had the broadest popular support approval voting that's what they did. You may not know this, but bees use approval voting to decide where to move the hive. 
when the hive gets large enough that it needs to split into two hives, scout bees go out and look for new locations. They come back and do what's called a happy dance. Now, I'm not going to get lost in the detail here, but they do a happy dance. And based on that happy dance, the number of bees that start to do a happy dance for a particular location, that's where they move the hive because it has the most support amongst most of the bees that went out. There's a lot more detail to that I won't go into, but it's fascinating. In nature, they recognize the power of removal. In our history, in our paleo-ethnic history, we see the power of approval. Why don't we do it now? Why don't you try to convince me to vote for your candidate, even though I know I'm going to vote for another candidate? Why don't we do that? Why don't we change it from, I can't talk to you because you're voting for whomever. I rest my case. <laughs> so how can people support the approval voting party? Okay, that's an excellent question. I don't want them to support the approval voting party unless they want to create approval voting parties in their state. What I do want them to do is I want them to use approval voting. Anytime you're in a group of people where you have to decide on three or more options, suggest, can we use approval voting? Do I have to only vote for one? Can I select more than one on my ballot? Because I really like three of the options out of the five that we're presented with. If they do that, they're driving home the concept that approving is far better than, than um, I can't think of the word I want to use. The, the concept comes up, you've got this, this busload of, of athletes uh, just finished their football game, high school football, and they're being taken back to their, their home territory. And one of the guys says, hey, coach, we're hungry. Okay, what do you guys want to have? And they list off like three options. And, and most of the vote, they have to be considerate of the people who, who are vegan and can't eat particular foods. So uh, they list off all the options. And they select by hand, row show of hands, the options that they will be okay with. And they find a middle ground option. And maybe it's pizza where you can have a salad with no meat. So that the vegans would also vote for the pizza place. Again, it brings people together, not separate them. If we use approval voting in our lives, we will demand approval voting at the ballot box. If you want to, to start your own approval voting party, please do so. If you're in Colorado, want to join our party, or if you want to expand our efforts in Colorado to your state, you can just, uh, you have my contact information. Uh, the second number I gave you, the 1216 number, is the one for people to contact me at. Please give them that number. In fact, let me, do you mind if I give my number on the podcast? Sure, go for it. Actually, no, I'd rather not. I get enough spam calls on that number anyway. But you okay. have the number. Uh, and just if anybody contacts you and wants to get in touch with me, please give them that number. Okay. And they can contact Okay. Thousand number. We let it. Uh, we'll get. We'll some back.
texts are great. If you text me on that number, please give it to anybody who contacts you. Uh, I don't want to put it out to the world, though, because uh, we did that once on Twitter for a Zoom conference that we hold on a weekly basis. And we got um, we got some stuff that was not appropriate. Let me put it that way. And one oh, of the no. ladies who, who actually did the tweet, uh, she was the brunt of it. She said she'll never do that again. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Don't don't like to encourage people to, to engage in bad behavior. Some people do that. Don't understand it. I probably did it when I was a kid. But but anyway, uh, so if they contact you, give them either one of those two numbers. Okay. Text me at the 6,000 number. Let them know they can text me and I will call them back right away unless I'm driving. As we, as you experienced uh, yesterday when you're trying to reach me, that was, that was horrible. So technology fails us, but definitely someone will call you back if you contact that number. And if you're okay. encouraged in starting a chapter in your town or just want to have a discussion group, right now I'm near, where am I, Spokane? I'm about 30 miles away from Spokane, Washington. I'm driving the approval voting party van. And if somebody sees the van, Take a snapshot, tweet it out, Instagram it, Facebook it. It doesn't matter. You have my name, Blake Huber. Tag me if you Facebook it. Uh, I, I'm not on Facebook very often, but I will see it eventually. Uh, we also have the approval voting party, approval voting group on Facebook. This was the first approval voting group. And if you want to join, if you know somebody in the approval voting group on Facebook, if you know them already, we'll let you in just want to keep out people selling stuff. For example, it's my living room, guys. So if you come into my living room, you have to follow my rules. <laughs> so if somebody wants in the group, uh, we approve them. Anybody, somebody, I have a couple of people that help me administer the group. So if they see you want to get in the group, you'll get in. If any question comes up about uh, you're being negative, my living room, I'm going to ask you to leave. I've only had to do that twice. One was a political candidate trying to promote her efforts in politics. I, I think that's wonderful, but not in my approval voting group. If you want to related to approval voting, be my guest. But don't promote yourself. Oh, by the way, the American um, Solidarity Party is also in favor of approval voting. They've been a big supporter of approval voting. Really? I didn't know that. Yes, the American uh, they have a lot of interesting views. Uh, they're, uh, I'm 100% libertarian. I'm probably 90, 80 or 90% solidarity. Um, it may interest your listeners to understand that when I, in the 20, 2016 election, side with .com, trying to decide who it is that I would vote for, and the libertarian candidate got like 97% agreement for me. And Bernie Sanders, bless his heart, got 88% agreement for me. <laughs> so if we had approval voting, I would have voted Libertarian and Bernie Sanders. By the way, why did Bernie Sanders not run as an independent like he has the entire life, his political life? Because he recognized under our single vote system part of one of the two dominant parties. I don't call them major parties. They're dominant. We'll have alternative parties. 
So I'm not going to ask you to change your name from long live third parties to long live alternative parties, but I would ask you to have long live third parties. There is an alternative exclamation point. So think about that because we are the alternative, no matter what party we are. And I actually, I watched a, um, an alternative party debate and the communist and I thought, I'm using that. I'm stealing that. That's a great concept. So I'll definitely for that. But yeah, a lot of people out there say a lot of different things and we can learn from each other. We don't, oh, well, I only agree with them 50% of the time. Therefore, they suck. No, I agree with them 10% of the time. I agree with them 5% of the time. But that 5% is really, really cool stuff. <laughs> And I would never know about that if it weren't for alternative voting methods. So if you like ranked choice voting, not ranked choice voting. If you like star voting or never heard of it, Google star voting. If you like approval voting, let me know how I can help. Like I say, I'm in Spokane. I live in Denver. I drive all over the country. I like to camp. Uh, so uh, my cat's name is Bernie. He used to be my sister's cat before she, now he's my cat. And he goes with me in the van. And we're just camping at BLM uh, land all over the country. It's, it's land we own as, as uh, citizens of the nation. So I'm using that and I camp for free. So if you see me, sure, post it. Sounds good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We appreciate all of your information about this important topic that we need to hear about. Well, you're, and thanks for doing what you do because the word gets out and communication is key. So keep doing what you're doing. You know, please interview more people. I've not heard of your podcast before, but I love podcasts, so I will be subscribing. Excellent. Excellent. All the best to you and all your efforts. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.